Welcome to Take It From The Iron Woman. My name is Susanne Müller, your host and the Iron Woman. This podcast is about empowering yourself and others to make real changes in the world. You will hear from everyday, smart, sophisticated, hip people like you and me. Not everybody has to be an Iron Woman to impress the world. Together, we will learn from the sports and business leaders how you can become a more successful person as an entrepreneur or a leader. It's one step at a time, one day at a time. Take your steps now. Take your big steps now. Join me on this journey to success. Take it from the Iron Woman. We've spoken to Mark before. Let's get on a journey. And he says, learning never exhausts the mind based on the saying of Leonardo da Vinci. Learning is important all the time. We hear of his six books he's having around him all the time. How many books do you have around you? And you said you're an angel investor. Tell us more about that. I retired from Nike in November and I wanted to stay connected to sports. I did that through two means. One was a podcast called Heavy Hitter Sports, where it's more inspirationally oriented. Backstories of athletes and teams who have faced adversity and overcome in order to be successful. But the other thing I wanted to do was to invest in sporting goods oriented startups. I got a call from somebody that I'd worked with at Nike, Kate Hagen, asked me, asking me if I wanted to join Oregon Sports Angels. And I said, yes, definitely. We as individual investors invest in sporting goods startups. Initially, it was based here in Oregon, but now it's more kind of nationwide. And there are about 40, 40 of us, soon to be a 50, kind of making our own individual investments. And it's kind of kept me in the loop with regard to sports, whether it's footwear, apparel, or equipment, or now most of the opportunities that come our way are kind of the merging of sport and technology. It's a good learning experience for me. I wasn't necessarily, although I had gotten my MBA and taken my perfunctory finance classes, I never thought of myself as an investor per se, mm -hmm. um, an active investor, but it's been a really enjoyable experience and connected to other bright people as well. I always envision like Shark Tank, right? What are you looking for when somebody needs to impress you? What are the criteria that you're looking for so that That's you a good would question. invest? I think mm -hmm. yeah, one of our other members kind of to use our group not so much as a shark tank, but as a dolphin <laughs> tank. Okay. <laughs> One, we're Oregonians. We're clearly not as uh, affluent or well-financed as the Mark Cubans of the world. Uh -huh. uh, but I think, and then a friend of mine, good friend of mine, uh, who also runs a venture capital group here, was talking about it. And this is when I first got involved. And I was like, what's the most important thing here? And basically he's saying, well, 70% of it is that founding team. It's the individuals you're investing in first and foremost. Then it's the product idea, the service idea, and the like. We're an early stage investor for the most part. Not often is there a sales trend, so you can't really evaluate that. Mm -hmm. To some degree, it's basically, do you have faith in the people who are pitching and presenting to you? Is there a sizable enough market? Can they gain traction? Can they? Because in essence, if you're investing in 20 startups, more than half are going to go belly up, right? They're not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Probably another four or five will break even. And you're not making money, but you're not losing money. And then a couple will double or triple their your potential income. And then there's that one or two that can be the unicorn where they can 10x and you can actually make some money. But I will say this, it wasn't so much as hopefully my wife's not going to listen to this episode here. <laughs> uh, it's not so much to make money as to stay connected to the game and to be energized mm -hmm. and to help give back, you know, mm -hmm. on a mentoring or advising basis as well. And to just keep fresh 
mm-hmm. and connected to kind of the latest and the greatest with regard to sports because things have changed so quickly. So I find it really energizing. And then to make money is a you know side benefit, hopefully. But most of these investments don't see fruition until four, five, seven years down the road. That's too early for me to tell us whether some of our investments will actually, you know, pay off. Experience has shown that it's like four, five, or seven years when you are a right. solo entrepreneur. I think for the listeners in any industry, you have to be patient and four, five, or seven years living on a shoestring or yeah, living no, in a, a basement, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's a tough life. We were talking to a founding group this morning and they had been in business for three and a half years, but their sales are still less than a million dollars, right? Now they have grand aspirations. And they have a really cool product that they're working with, but that's a lot of time and effort and energy to devote to a cause without seeing that paycheck coming your way. I listened to a webinar and they said, you should actually treat your career, your resume, your career, your career, like the promotions, like a startup. Because with a startup, you put your heart, your passion, your everything into it. And sometimes people are like, oh, I need to find a new job. Uh, I'm not so motivated, but if you really put everything into finding the right job, whatever the right job is, I think that would make more sense. What do you think about that? No, I think that's great. I've not heard that before, but that makes total sense to me because in essence, I think as employees, if we think about working for larger companies, I think in today's world, there's so many people who are, I had a podcast of my own and I was talking to somebody in the space who had come up through the HR realm and now works with Liz Wiseman and the multipliers. And we were talking Mm -hmm. about, she, Liz Wiseman actually talks about some employees being almost in that zombie-like state. Now it's also compounded by the pandemic and other stressors and the like. But if you put that to a side for a moment, I think for millennials in particular, their expectations as to what they want to get out of work are so much different than when I grew up. I think in my world, so much of my personal identity was wrapped into what I was doing, who I was working for. I don't think that's the norm for millennials today. They expect a lot of their employers. And I think there's that natural attention as to how much a company is willing to give to its employees and how much the employees are expecting. It's not a broken world today, but there's enough friction and there's enough non-fully engaged employees out there. I love your idea of kind of treating it as a startup. I had always viewed myself as an entrepreneur to some large degree. And so I tried it on my own for three years. But really, in retrospect, I think most of my career was involved in startups with under the guise of a larger company, Mm. whether it was the startup of new stores in London for The Gap, whether it was working for a startup division at Nike, the equipment division, non-footwear, non-apparel, where in essence, our volume was relatively small. It was a decimal point in terms of the end of the year results for that company but it was a $100 million business leading sales in that effort. It was still engaging, exciting. We had great competition because we were focused on so many different different brands who were the leaders in those industries, whether it be golf or hockey, baseball, football, and the likes. That was really engaging. And that got 100% out of my effort and the team that I was managing at the time. When I think back to the moments where I was most energized, it was either being part of a team or leading a team on a quest. And I think sometimes you can get lost, even in a successful company like Nike, you can feel like a cog in a wheel. And because so much of the time they're spent talking to either other people within other departments and the like, and your best sales efforts are almost directed more internally than externally, there can be a sense, unless you've got a great boss and a great team that you're working with, you can you can go 80, 90% if you want to. And mm-hmm. there's the cost to be paid for that, both personally and for the company as a result. Hopefully there are not a lot of people in that situation, but clearly in today's world, there are some. 
And I think it doesn't really matter if it's Nike or any other company. Obviously, the younger workforce, they like to work with a purpose. They want to have an impact. But I think it's also, at the end of the day, it's work and it's you want to do good work. I always, me as an executive coach, I want to do the best work that I can. As a runner, I want to do the best that I can. If it's at all possible, when I train well for the marathon, then I'm ready. It's about creating that mentality and maybe some people are missing that. And I think it's what you, what I've seen with working with Nike also on a project, how passionate and motivated the workforce was. I think that that's a good point. Some of that motivation for the most part is going to be internal or mm-hmm. wired differently. Some of us have that grit or that passion, that focus for whatever we're working on or mm-hmm. for, but not in all instances is that going to be the case. So there you have to be motivated I guess, either by a boss, your coworkers, Mm -hmm. or the like, as you mentioned, a purpose, right? Because I think that's much more important in today's world. There was a period of time where athletes in this world did not take a stand on any issue whatsoever for Mm -hmm. fear of alienating someone who might buy their product or support their team. Or if you think about the Michael Jordan in the day, right? He was not taking a stand and Nike was not taking a stand either, really. Although the company was irreverent, now different situation. It's almost to be expected, especially if you're focused on a really young consumer profile. Let's do some interesting questions here. You ask me on your podcast, what is your favorite food? I want to know what your favorite food is. That's a good question. (laughs) Well, I would say we were talking about this. We had Indian food in our house last night. My wife was cooking, but I, I also flashed back to that experience in London and really, really good Indian food. That's pretty far up my list. Okay. I agree with you. Indian food is is fantastic. And if you can eat it in India, it's even better because mostly it's homemade. And your favorite sports, now that we have been speaking a lot about sports? I grew up playing baseball. I grew up skiing, playing baseball and playing football, but baseball is part of my DNA. I spent a lot of time working in soccer or global football at Nike. I love that from a cultural standpoint, given how Mm -hmm. important it is to fans around the world and national teams to different countries. And I had a great chance to work in South America and Europe. And so I have a full appreciation, although it's not part of my DNA, that's really baseball. And Mm -hmm. and I love college football as well. Are you active in any sports? Well, I've gotten to the point where I still view myself as an athlete, but I'm really (laughs) not that. I love to walk for an hour at the end of the day, do with my wife or son or by myself, just to kind of reflect and get recharged, whether it's also working on a treadmill or hikes and the like. I grew, I played baseball until I was 40 though. I did I did play baseball in high school and college and then in an adult league in San Francisco. Then when we moved here to Portland, my son was at the point where he was starting his own baseball career. I coached his team for 10 years. I kind of made that switch. And you mentioned mentoring. So you're an investor, but you're also mentoring? I'm doing um, that through the investment, but Mm -hmm. also kind of with a Mercy Corps program as well, working with startup entrepreneurs who need a little bit of extra advice. So it's kind of a matchmaker service that Mercy Corps set up. Michael Mentor, I've worked with three individuals now kind of in different businesses, different parts of the world on new business startups. It's amazing. It feels like you ended your career with Nike and you're still going and you're passionate. We can only learn from you. And one last final question is what books or what book are you reading now? Well, <laughs> I have the horrible habit, like six books at a time. And I'm not the biggest science fiction fan. But having said that, I do have an appreciation. I'm in the middle of Journey to the Center of the Earth, the Jules Verne book. And I think the older I get, the more I appreciate good children's literature. I just finished Tom Sawyer uh, for Mm. a book club that I'm party to. 
Mm-hmm. And so I've always been a huge fan of Mark Twain. I also focus a lot on personal development. There's generally a book in that rotation that I'm reading on development. And although it's been out for a couple of years, I do think Grit is an amazing book for kind of anyone at any point in their life. And I also read a book recently called The Atri, written by a Navy SEAL. Uh, it's based similar to Strength Finders in the sense that we're all wired differently and have inherent strengths. And so I love that perspective as well, taking advantage of your strengths as opposed to just honing and working on your weaknesses. Because I think that's the default in corporate America. I don't feel that that's as liberating as you would want that to be. I'm also um, reading a book by a coworker kind of within that Oregon Sports Angels world that's built around, she's involved with the Olympic Committee and Paralympics. And so basically it's stories of overcoming adversity based on different handicaps. That's also really energizing. One of your quotes in your bio, learning never exhausts the minds by Leonardo da Vinci. Even though it's my pleasure now, and I, I think that's a motivating force. I mean, family's kind of first and foremost, sports is cr- critically important and has involved from an athlete, a coach, my career, and now kind of with a podcast and with investments. But learning's kind of at the center of kind of how I'm wired as well now. I've always subscribed to the da Vinci quote. I think that's the best. Like learning never ends. We can do it at various stages of our careers. And reading, I saw your LinkedIn profile and there's a tons of books that we can all enjoy. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences, your books, and learning never exhausts the mind. Thank you, Mark, for a very cool conversation, learning, and also learning about learning about your investment, what you're looking for, but then also learning about your learning. Learning never exhausts the mind. Take it from the Iron Woman. We have episodes every Monday, every Wednesday. Chime in. There's something for everybody from sports people to business people to entrepreneurs, coaches, authors, cool people, cool people like you. Don't miss out. See you next time. Thank you so much for your support. 